Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the... Sorry, I I, uh, I, I I biffed this one. All right, here we go. Try it again. By the Ed to my Sean. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, I'm feeling capable. And our very own Liz. I couldn't. I, it, was, it, was, it was Liz or Pete, and I didn't want you to be Pete. I appreciate that. Uh, it's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing? I'm great. The voice of reason. It fits. Let's go. Yeah. So um, Seahawks. Seahawks needed maybe maybe needed a voice of reason at halftime of the last Seahawks game because uh, and I think my direct quote from me was if you don't think that the Seahawks can outscore the Vikings by 14 in the second half I don't know what to tell you <laughs> so that was me trying to talk everyone off the cliff in the discord uh, because in the first half Vikings scored 13 points they t- they possessed the ball for 20 minutes and 16 seconds to the Seahawks nine minutes and 44 seconds. They had 15 first downs. We only had five. They had uh, 217 total yards to our 66 total yards. Okay. At the end of the first half, how were you feeling, Kevin? I said it in the Discord. I said it on Twitter. Um, We are two plays away from being in the lead is the way I felt. Like, it's just it like they were trying to like grind the game out. And I was sitting there in the second quarter going, are they really trying to like run the clock out in the second quarter? This is this isn't going to go well because we can just strike back at any point in time. Yeah, Eric, how were you feeling at the end of the first half? I was the opposite, guys. This was the first time this year that I kind of had a doubt about the game, and I wasn't like it's over, but I was thinking it's raining. Russ is throwing the ball well, but the ball is getting to his receivers a tad late. Yeah, the, and it felt it felt like the throws were a little ducky. off. Yeah, because and it's because of the rain. I think yeah. Russ and we've it's kind of well established that Russ plays a little worse in the rain. So it's not like you're you're not uh, you're not being a jerk or anything. Yeah, yeah he has to throw to a little perfect. bigger windows. Yeah, and it's it really sucks for me to say this. I mean, it's kind of cool because you know it involves every single one of us. But I think we're missing the twelfth man. It that's that's something you're going to hear on sports radio. We don't say that stuff on the show, but I think that is a thing. And I think that played into it. So yeah, at half, I was a little like, I, I literally just made that noise and uh, uh, dealt with it. Brett was going full Brett. So then, so then, yeah, Brett. Oh, Brett was, was losing his mind. Was seven out of ten, Brett's fire. So th- Pete Carroll. So then we come out at halftime. First and ten, Chris Carson off right guard, three yards. Second and seven, Chris Carson off right guard for six yards. Third and one, Chris Carson up the middle it. for no gain. This. At this point, I think a lot of people hit the panic button. They said, "Oh my God, is this really who we are?" That really, that you, you're you're literally in my brain right now. Yeah, it's, it's it was just like people were losing their minds. Three straight runs, and apparently at this point, Pete Carroll called up to Skybox Shoddy, and he said, "Look, Russell Wilson needs to be." in the middle of everything we are doing. First, next offensive play, shotgun, Russell Wilson pass. Next play, shotgun, Russell Wilson pass. Next play, shotgun, Travis Homer run. Next play, shotgun, Russell Wilson Russell Wilson pass touchdown. The, the Seahawks ran out of shotgun for basically the rest of the game. Uh, they, they could play some under center, but they were playing out of shotgun. The offense was looking fast and loose, and it was good times from basically that point forward. How do... How crazy is it 
that Pete Carroll is the one, the one that we people have been, you know, ragging on, the one that people say like this is the reason that we don't we don't do it. He's the reason that we put put Russ back in charge of offense. He called upstairs and made the change. Uh, I just think that that's awesome. I think it's awesome. I think we have, it, let, it really... we have let Russ cook and let Pete dial takeout. Pete was <laughs> I put I put that Pete was the sous chef. You know, he was the no, he was he was. He was the Uber. <laughs> he was he was the one that 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 dialed it up at the end of the game. He said like or he said like we need to change this. Let's make it happen. And I think that I mean that that's what it was. You know that that it was perfect. It was really really good. So yeah, I'm a big I'm a big fan of what that what happened at the end of that game, and uh, or you know in the second half of that game after that first drive, which was uh what was scary it's scary to run 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 punt that was the moment like going into the half i was like that was fluky and then coming out i'm like if this is our second half game plan we're in trouble boys like that's that's not good like we can win now i'm just wondering if we're trying to it it isn't and it got scary again at the end we'll talk about some more individual plays but but i think overall uh, the team, the team has this unwavering belief in itself, right? It has this this ability to just totally believe in it in itself, and I think that they came up huge. You know, the team the team came up huge when they really really needed to. Yeah, you saw that um, half to, or that uh, fourth quarter audio uh, with uh, Russ on the sideline talking about like we have them right where we want them, knowing that they can drive down and put the game away. Like yeah. you're coming in on two minutes left, you're down six in the fourth quarter and it has not been your best game and he's over there on the sideline like got this no problem man it's done in the bag yeah i love that. so so i want to talk about let's let's first let's talk about uh like an unsung hero i want to i want to really call out an unsung hero a guy that we have maligned a little bit on this podcast a guy who played 23 snaps in this game and at the end of this game was asked to block blitzes he had 11 pass blocks in this game, a pass block rating of 85.4. Travis Homer, I think, is the unsung hero of this game. In that last drive, Minnesota was like, hey, we're dialing up some blitzes. We are coming. We're going to get pressure. We're going to knock Russell Wilson off the spot. We're going to beat them. We're going to make it hard to throw in the rain. And Travis Homer was like, nah, I'm a brick wall. I'm a five foot ten. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how tall he is. How tall is, how tall is Travis? Homer? Like a pony wall. Like uh he's I have, I got it right. Five foot five ten, two hundred, two hundred pound brick wall. He, what a great performance by him blocking on that last drive. And I think like it's it's all connected, you know, it's all that team spirit. It's all connected to each other. And I think every single guy on this team believes they could be part of the win, right? And so it leads to uh guys like that stepping up in big moments and and helping to make big plays. And, uh, you know, there's two fourth downs, two big fourth downs. And the, I'll say this on the first, the first fourth down, those first three passes that Russ threw, I was like, oh, I was like, it's raining hard. And this is trouble. Yeah. He had a fellow rivers duck in there at one point where you're just like that. That was a shot put. Yeah. The, is um, he threw, tried to throw to more then he tried to throw more again. Then he tried to throw it right. And it was like those first three passes. I was like, oh boy, my, as, as, a uh, as. Marshawn Lynch says might be trouble, but then he, he, he gets it, he gets it to DK deep down the field, 39 yards. And I think at that point, everything started kind of clicking. They had, 
let's be honest, that last fourth down, I mean, they shouldn't even had to do that. They scored twice at yep. the end of the game. Uh, DK. And one thing is the Seahawks on these goal line plays, we get screwed consistently where they don't even review the plays and it drives me crazy. It's like, what's the point of having inside two minute replays, especially when the ref who has a better view of the play calls it a touchdown and the guy who's behind him, who can't see the ball at all, just goes, no, it's incomplete. Like you can't go ahead and say, you know, no, that's a, that's replay. And it's really rough because like you said, like it's inside two minutes. So it's supposed to be an automated replay and therefore they're not allowing a coach's replay. So you can't challenge it. And then they're just choosing like, nah, we just, we're good with this one. This one's fine. Uh, Eric, I know you, I know this is something that grinds your gears. So (laughs) how did you, how did you feel like in that moment? Uh, I mean, uh, similar, similar. Um, but I want to talk about Travis Homer because he's been lying on the show as a runner. We like him on special teams. We like him as a blocker. Uh, Not when, a bad pass catcher either. No, but when he's in the game and he, like you said, the shotgun play, shotgun run, Travis Homer, it was a stuff. But you know what? You got to keep that honest. Otherwise, it's just it sells out that we're doing a pass play. Uh, this game, this game wrecked me emotionally brought me back up it reminded me that i'm a true seahawks fan because <laughs> a true seahawks fan knows that we've come so close so many times on so many worthless games like uh you know i get mad whenever the vikings beat us because it's always in a year where they're not doing anything um and so i i feel like a, the vikings are always a team we should beat uh because of this honestly up and down roller coaster the entire game uh, Travis Homer, though, as an unsung hero, I really love that take, Nathan. Yeah, then I, th- I think um, okay, let's go, let's go even far, a little farther back. Uh, the fourth and fourth and inches. Um, to be honest with you, the you know right now Minnesota's coach is catching a lot of crap because that field goal would have won them the game. Okay, but in my opinion, if I was Minnesota's coach, I'm facing down the best, the absolute best quarterback on planet earth right now do i want to give him the ball back or take my chance of getting six inches and making sure that he never touches the ball again it is a no brainer okay it is a no brainer to try to run there in my opinion because i remember like remember peak aaron Rodgers when aaron Rodgers was at his absolute peak and you did not want to give that guy the ball back with a minute 57 left, right? right? You don't you don't want to give him the ball back. You want to take the chance to slam the door and say, hey, the game's over. You just never get to touch the ball. You get to watch the time tick down on the sidelines while we take knees right here. You know, that's what you want to do. And so for me, like, I definitely think that he made the right choice because even if they kick the field goal, Russ can get the ball back. And honestly, the, that – two yard conversion play that's totally different play if we actually need the two points right yeah i mean russ isn't going to try to just stuff it into carson there and and force it in he's going to wait and be patient he had time to to make a different choice you know so i just think that in that situation you know he made the right choice because we did score and we did have a two-point conversion to tie and then you're just going to lose an overtime to russell wilson or you're you're flipping a coin that you can beat russell wilson in overtime and i just don't think he thought that they could do that and he's correct 100 they, right. 
they had their shot to win. They were outscored by 14 in the second half, or, you know, at that point, they're still being outscored in the second half. Yeah. He had his shot, you know, and he took it. And I think that's a good choice with their season on that. I mean, for the Vikings, that season was on the line on that play, right? And it was a huge play for them. And you just got to trust your guys to get that six inches. And you know what? Bobby Wagner uh, closed the door. Um, I mean, a couple other cool thing about that play was everyone did their job. It was like a perfect, like everyone does their job play. Mayo locks up his guy. Um, he's he's in the hole so that it's hard for it's hard for uh, Madison to get through. And then Bobby Wagner just slams him to the ground. Yeah, you know? Barton Barton put a big hit on the fullback. So the fullback couldn't disengage to put anything on uh, Wagner. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was another case where it was kind of discipline, lane discipline, run defense allowed them a chance to make the play on that. Anyway, I know this is different than our traditional approach of like going over the offense and then going over the defense, but I think because of the emotions involved in this game, I just had to do it a little bit this way because I think this game was an emotional roller coaster. And if you don't address that, um, then uh, you're kind of missing the point of this particular game. Uh, We won without converting a third down. We won when getting (laughs) almost, we won when getting doubled up on time of possession. Uh, We, we won when getting outgained in yards. Um, and let's talk about really how, how we did this. To be honest with you, we did this with turnovers. Okay, the defense is getting a lot of flack right now. But this defense, let's start with the defense. The defense created a lot of turnovers. And we don't, as an offense, make very many turnovers. So that isn't right now. We are third in the league plus six turnover differential, seven interceptions, three fumbles, while only giving up the three picks and the one fumble. And Russ did have a pick in this game, and it was um, it was a bad throw. I would say it was the worst worst throw I've seen him make the whole season by a significant yeah. margin. It was a really bad throw. Do you blame that on the rain? Um, I, I mean, rainy rainy day, Russ. I just think it, I don't even know what he was trying to do there, and it it, it was just very un. Russ is locked in this season, so it was felt it felt very weird. It was a very rushed, desperate kind of throw. Something that I expected from him maybe a couple seasons ago when he was trying to do too much. Whereas like 20, 2020 where, Russ, there's no such thing as him doing too much. Was it 2017 where he was basically the whole offense? Yeah, leading exactly. Rusher, leading passer. Yes, uh, we missed the playoffs because of because of uh, Blair Walsh. Oh man. So. The um, but the, the the defense is creating turnovers, and that matters. You know, the the two fumbles, although the one at the end of the game, maybe that doesn't matter as much to you. The the, the interception, these plays uh turn turn the momentum. They turn the the team back on. They get. I think Pete always talks about toxic differential plays, right? And in the beginning of the season, we were giving up a lot of long passes. In this game, against some good wide receivers in Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, that was not the case. Okay, 248 yards passing. We did not give up long passing plays. There's been a lot of progress as the season has gone on to to kill these long passing plays. Okay, which is good. I'd like to see us get rid of now like playing quarters and and letting them 10 yard us to death. But I will take the progress on the deep passing plays because when the field gets condensed, this team is is looking like they can stop teams from getting in the end zone, which which is good. So yeah, can I have a quick observation on that. Yeah, go ahead. I feel like something the Vikings um, were really intentional about is they went after our backups. They went after Cody Barton. They went after uh, Neil. And when Trey had to come in for Dunbar, they went after Trey. And oh, I think they, that was really noticeable. They went after Trey for sure. Because Dunbar, Dunbar shut him down. 
no receptions allowed on two targets, had a pass breakup. Like Dunbar, Dunbar played a good game. Shaquem was good too. Shaquem was never targeted in this game. But Cla- uh, Shaquille? Oh, no. So, uh, I was looking at the wrong thing. I was looking at Shaquem <laughs> instead of Shaquille. It's happened to me. I knew it was happening to me once a season. No, Shaquille had a pretty good game though. Targeted seven times or nine times, gave it seven receptions, but it got the pass breakup. I think that it, it's kind of deceiving. The, his PFF rating is really bad, but I don't think he played that bad. I thought I he was fine. there was 64. an odd thing where he's playing a lot of over-under zone with Cody Barton, and I just feel like that wasn't working very well. Like He was he was on the same side of the field as Barton and Neal a lot. He only gave up 64 yards. I think it was a, a solid performance. That The real warriors on the defense were the linebackers. You know, KJ and Bobby played like, full retinue of snaps and they played they were on the field a lot 87 snaps is a lot of football yep Dun, i mean dunbar literally the only they said the reason he wasn't playing was because he was not in game shape like he had to come out for some plays to rest yeah cramp <laughs> he had cramp he was cramping up and stuff those guys were absolute warriors out there uh those guys who's played all all 86 snaps i mean kj quandre bobby shaquille ryan neal that's the heart of the defense right there and those guys um, i think really performed uh, they went after Neil. I thought Neil stood up fine. You know, he he had a couple of missed tackles that I think were noticeable. Um, play where he was behind Barton and um, he got caught. Uh, he needed to make a decision and he was indecisive. And that's kind of thing that will happen with a young player. And I think those are the things those things can be coached out of him, you know, in the film room. And they could say like, hey, you either got to go outside and push the runner back in or you got to you got to you got to cut in you got to jump in there and make the play right yeah. you can't just you can't just stand behind Cody Barton and let yourself get get blocked out of the play yeah it was the same thing for Barton on that first cook touchdown um the touchdown run about 10 yard touchdown run where Barton just kind of over pursued and you look and all of a sudden all three linebackers are on the same side of the field and there's just no second level to the defense yeah. and so cook just cuts right goes right into the end zone like that's a coachable thing Let's get Barton some credit. He did have 13 tackles. He looked good in the run game. I think, like, I mean, sorry, he looked good, uh, like, tackling. He was a good tackler. He just needs he needs refinement. He needs game time. And he's getting thrown in the fire a little bit because, let's be honest, do you think that anyone, including Cody Barton, expected him to be right where he is right now? <laughs> Not at all. Bruce Irvin was in front of him. Jordan Brooks was in front of him. Like, there's all these guys in the way of him getting playing time. He was probably very focused on being a big impact special teamer. And yes. now <laughs> here we go. We are, we are playing a lot of football and it's uh it's good. It's a good opportunity. It's a little trial by fire. And I think that there, you, there's, it's up, it was up and down, but I see the potential. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I, I see why we picked him with in the third round. I think that he, you know, tackling, he could be a tackling machine. He, he might be part of our future here once KJ ages out, which doesn't seem like it's happening this year. KJ no. looks, KJ looks like he has found the fountain of youth. KJ had a performance Not the of ages of this week too. And <laughs> no, with the, the one handed grab from KJ, that's the inter, that interception Lord. is an all timer. Yeah, it's an all timer. Yeah. yeah. You don't see that from cornerbacks in the league. It was intense. Uh, Barton, he hits so hard and he hits so well when he lines up at at the right angle to tackle. I think that's one thing we've talked about in the past that I, I still think would love to see more consistency, but this is a guy who you can tell he wants to ring somebody's bell. That's really important. I mean, 10 solo tackles is really great for like a, a player hit, hit, you know, as young as him. And so you get getting kind of his first real game action. Yeah. So, I feel like Ugo was pretty good. Uh, he did a nice job of staying fresh because we had to have linebackers on the field because they were running at us a lot. And he did a good job of like being fresh and ready when he was in there. He did give up two receptions on two targets, but they were two 10-yard passes where he shut it down as soon as it was caught, which is fine. 
that's an adequate job. Like LJ Collier looked pretty decent in this game. Got two pressures, a sack, and a hurry. Looked. I think LJ might be uh, turning into a useful NFL player, which is all we can ask. We got Jonathan Ballard with this last week. It happened after the podcast, and this is something that I probably would have talked about quite a lot if it happened before we recorded. Yes, because I'm a I'm actually a big fan of his from back like when I originally scouted him, uh, coming coming out of Florida. He is like a physical tweener. Where he doesn't really he he his play style is base end, his body is standing end, and so because of that he hasn't really found a, a his. I knew he'd have trouble finding his way in the NFL, but he's kind of perfect if the Seahawks can train him to be the next Michael Bennett, because that is exactly like the skill set and body type that that Jonathan Ballard has, and if we can get in his ear and really push him, he is. He has that level of potential as like a he could be a next you know Michael Bennett is a one in a million I I don't want to say he could be the next Michael well, Bennett like but he could Jeff. he could be close to as good yes like a I think he could be better than Quentin Jefferson to be honest with you and I'm very excited that he's on the on the Seahawks right now because this guy we needed a guy like this a guy who can fill rotational snaps and play at a high level um, he got us he got us uh, a pressure in this game on only 10 pass rushes 10 percent prp that's that's what we want to see so if he can keep that rate up as they probably expand his role in the coming weeks i think that it's a very exciting player to be on the team he did play uh he played 12 on the inside and he played uh 13 or 11 on the outside so they did use him in the same way they would use like a michael bennett or quentin jefferson where that you know you're inside on passing downs and you're outside on running downs uh to try to like, you know, mix up where he, where he's at. I think it's a, it's a player I'm excited about. So that's uh, someone to keep your eye on. I think. Yeah. Demontre Moore had a good week. Demontre Moore. Yeah. Demo- the, the thing is we're finding these interior linemen, uh, these, these fr- fringy interior line. Demontre Moore is the same way. Demontre Moore is even smaller than Jonathan Bullard yeah, he's, though. He's, he's, uh, more, he's almost like Cliff Averill, but tall. But he, John, Demontre Moore is the kind of guy where you, you bring him in on an obvious pass down he's going to make an impact on the play. Uh, you just do, you just do not want to use him on run plays. And I'm going to guess that, you know, he played, uh, I think five run snaps in this game. And I'm going to bet that on those five plays, they got positive yardage. You don't want guys running at Demontre Moore, but if if he's in on a pass down, he is going to make an impact. Uh, he had a sack, he had a hurry. Um, I'm once again, I'm a big fan of that move. He's a good player to put into the rotation and they did, they did more, uh, three, four looks or okay, fine. 4-3 4-3 over Pete Carroll. There you go. It's a 3-4. Get over yourself. <laughs> the, the They did more 3-4. don't like three, the narrative, Nathan. Well, I, I don't like 3-4 defense either, so I get it. But they had five guys on the line with two guys standing. So whatever you want to call that. Uh, KJ on the bottom and and then someone else on the top. And I think those looks those looks really uh, were an effort to stop run, stop them from running all over us. But they worked in pass coverage too, surprisingly. So I, I'm... I'm kind of optimistic about the direction of the defense because when we come out of the bye, we're going to have Snacks Harrison into the rotation. That's going to fix a lot of problems in the run game. Yep. Trust. They the minute if Minnesota plays us with Snacks, it ain't going to be like it was this time because that boy, mm-hmm. he eats. He eats on run plays. Crazy amount of run stuffs. Like he had a he's had multiple seasons with more 50 run stops. Like that's insane. So that he he's eaten on run plays, don't worry. And then we also get Jamal Adams back. And I think that it's it's just underrated that we have two hugely impactful players coming back. 
to the game uh, for us. And it's not even like this defense is that bad. We're creating turnovers. Uh, we are 18th in DVOA. It's a very average defense right now. And I just expect us to get pushed over the top. All right. I've talked a million words. You guys take over. What, what did you guys see on the defensive side of the ball? Kevin? Well, just real quick to back up what you were saying. So um, Snacks Harrison coming in, we're talking, what, probably about 6'3", 350, you know, uh, earning of his nickname Snacks. This is a man who from 2013 through 2018, he graded his lowest uh, PFF run defense grade was 87.1. He graded in the 90s. Five out of those six seasons. And then last year, you know, he's playing for Matt Patricia. He wanted out. And so we're just going to throw last year out the window. This is a guy who comes in and pushes people around in the run game. 2018, 51 run stops. 2017, 44 run stops. 2016, 55 run stops. 2015, 50 run stops. This guy is stuffing a lot of runs for, for a player at his position. It just, it, there, it, there's a reason he was an all pro. It's, he does a thing. And he's very, very good at it. I'm kind of surprised it took us this long to get him. He was sitting out there. Quandre Diggs can vouch for him. I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm glad that we got him. I'm still shocked it took us this long. Well, I think it was a thing where he wanted to see how the league was handling COVID because he's got young kids at home. I believe one with asthma. I love, I love that he takes it seriously. I got to respect that. Yeah. So good for him. Um, geez, narratives on the game. Uh, how about okay. Jaron Reed eating Drew Samaya's lunch? Can I can I can I give you one more snacks thing before we go to this though? Yeah, by all means. Uh, okay, snacks I posted his. He he posted uh he's doing a snack bracket thing. He's posting like different pictures, and then he says like what his favorites are. So he posted nine nine different French fry places: Chick Fil A, McDonald's, Arby's, Wendy's, Burger King, Five Guys, Steak and Shake, Whataburger, and Checkers. Okay, he said his favorite fries: Checkers number one, McDonald's number two, and Five Guys number three. You respect you respect it? The guy is named Snacks, but <laughs> that's that's my checkers. Che- checkers does have good French fries. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I will say this: uh, steak okay. and shake too low. Steak and shake too low. I I like the steak and shake fries because they're so thin. They're like um the, they're like the shoestring style. I don't dig that. And then so I'm not big gotta, on that, but those waffle fries from Chick Fil A are pretty solid. And those Arby's. The, the seasoned curly Arby's fries are good. Yeah, Arby's French fries, man. Don't and, add me about with your beef and cheddar takes though. Arby's. The thing about Arby's is no one goes to Arby's, so the fries are always like they have to make them fresh for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they're good. Life hack. <laughs> um, all right, Life we... hack. Arby's is going out of business. Are they really? I don't know. I don't know. That was a joke. No. Uh, hey, one thing I want to bring up about this game that I think is really important, uh, looking at how we struggled offensively in the first half, uh, came back in the second to look to be what looked to be a steamroll game and then got very exciting. Uh, that in the Monday night game, great games this week. The Vikings rushed 41 times against us for just about five yards a carry, 4.9 yards per carry. They ground us into the dirt, and it did not affect us. We still won the game. That is my stat of the game because this is what you do to every team. This is this is the formula for winning every single game in this league. Winning that turno- turnover battle, we talked about not being sustainable, but with guys coming back, adding snacks into the mix, I do feel like this makes it a little more sustainable because it will even out the defense a little more. It won't make it where we have to get those turnovers. And honestly, I think with a more spread out 
more talented, better defense, those turnovers are going to be a little more par for the course as opposed to, thank God we got one. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think there's a legitimate claim there. Um, things that jumped out to me, we went away from the run because we were behind, but Carson had a good day running the football. Uh, he had eight carries for 52 yards. Um, he had that one sweet run for the touchdown after the KJ interception where you could tell their defense just didn't want to try and tackle him. And he just like blew through them. That was pretty nice. Um, the offensive line had another really good game. Lewis had a pretty costly penalty in in our opening drive. He had that false start that kind of killed the drive. And I mean, that's just rookie mistakes. You gotta, you're going to, if you're going to start a rookie on the offensive line, you're going to have to deal with a little bit of that, but he's not doing it enough that I'm going to like totally bury him for it. Um, It's just frustrating when it happens to, to be honest, the offensive line played great. I mean, most of the sacks were Russell Wilson's fault. He held the ball for like a million years on <laughs> all three of those sacks. Like, it's like he's I, been doing I, that so much. He needs he needs to do, needs to do what Aaron Rodgers does, which is just like once the play, once the once that clock goes off in your head and we're past like five seconds, just throw it like eight eight hundred yards out of bounds. You know what I mean? Yeah, he had an issue where they were doing they were double covering every deep route, and this actually gets into a question that Book asked, and I'll answer it now. So book asked on Twitter about Tyler and how Tyler's um, becoming less visible in the offense. And the thing is, Tyler does something really, really well. Like he has the drag routes and everything where he's kind of reliable, Mr. First down. But his big plays are on these double moves deep. But if they're going to put double coverage on him, it's really hard for him to shake loose on a double move. And so the way that the Vikings choose to defend our deep routes and force the passes kind of in the short and intermediate um, really plays against what Lockett does, especially in the type of offense we're running this year. So I think that's why you saw Lockett with a bit more of a diminished role in this one. It just wasn't playing into his strengths. Like you're not going to try and throw it over a corner and under a safety to a 5'10 receiver very often in the range. Yeah, he- and his 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 uh most effectiveness is he, he the longer the play goes the more effective Tyler gets, and so for me like yeah but we needed to get the ball out on time in this game yep. you know what I mean and so and the first and, half is why like the first half we weren't and like you know, Russ had five pressures he took a couple sacks it was bad it, it was it was tough sledding it's gonna be tough sledding out there for Tyler and I mean let's be honest at this point he's he's not the number one wide receiver on this team. It's just it. It's not that it's bad, you know. And the the thing about okay, let's start with DK Metcalf. Well, it's okay? like when Calvin Ridley Ridley's not the number one wide receiver. Calvin Ridley's still a great wide receiver that you love. Having. I think Calvin Ridley is the number one receiver right now. Julio's hurt. <laughs> Julio, Julio's hamstring. Anyway, DK Metcalf success rate by route. Okay, so you know the fantasy footballers do that route tree. The reception perception, it's pretty good. The chart, but he is good at every single route. There's not a route on the the, the route tree that he runs poorly. Last year, his bad route was the corn the corner route, and I think like it's just you know that yeah maybe he's he's just as good as anybody in the league right now. To no one is playing at a higher level level than higher level than DK right now. Yeah, congratulations, Seahawks fans. Our only complaint is that in a couple seasons we're gonna have to pay him a boatload of money, and he'll be <laughs> worth every penny of it. I thought yeah. about that this weekend. I really, I'll I kind of wish, but I kind of wish we would have spent a first rounder on him instead of LJ Collier, so we had the extra year. Because, <laughs> because, uh, uh, yeah, it's um, 
it's going to be a problem when, when, when he has to get paid. Uh, he's going to get a lot of money. And so uh, the drop he's be worth that 16, 20 million, whatever ends up being. Cause he's sick. Yeah. Six, six catches, six first downs, uh, including the two touchdowns, obviously 15 and a half yards per reception drops his season average. That's yep. dumb. <laughs> he's very good at football. Freddie Swain, another, another, like, uh, Another cute little performance. I'm I'm a big Freddie Swain believer at this point. Um, I can't wait till this offense is at full strength because, like, that's another thing. We talked about how guys are coming back out of the bye. We might have two wide receivers coming back for the Seahawks. You know, the, there's Josh Gordon is still looming, and Josh Gordon will be excellent at that those middle range possession routes that we really need right now. And the other thing is because he had, man he bodies people. Josh Gordon he had, he is a he is a strong and then still wants to play too and then that philip dorsett i think that people don't realize philip dorsett is a weapon in this offense philip dorsett uh last year was targeted 17 times in the deep passing game was considered open on all of them and only was delivered five catchable balls i'm just going to throw this out there russell wilson is not going to go five for 17 trying to hit philip dorsett streaking down the field okay he's not tom brady ancient arm tired at the end of the season. Okay. This is Russell freaking Wilson. We're talking about Philip Dorsett is going to be a weapon. This offense hasn't even reached its final form. That's what I'm trying to say. And you go three wide and you can't double team Lockett and Dorsett and DK. Like somebody's getting single coverage and all three of them can burn single coverage yeah. hard. And, and and I can't wait to see like Philip Dorsett running between the safeties and them having to decide, am I going to help over on DK or am I going to help Dorsett who's running a four, three right now down the football field? Oh, well, they're it, just going to let Dorsett catch it every time, which is awesome. Fine for me. Like, yeah, Dorsett's going to, Dorsett's just going to have like two catches for 84 yards and a touchdown to two touchdowns. Yeah, the he'll old, have a Will Fuller V season. Yeah, the Will Fuller, the old Will Fuller uh, line. It's and that's fine. That's those are that's a that's the role we need him to play. To be honest with you, we need him to stand in the slot, split the safeties, and make them make the them make hard choices in the middle of the field. Because right now, I just don't feel like the the oppose, like you said, Kevin, the opposing safeties right now don't have to make a hard choice. They can just help over top on DK, help over top on Tyler, and we're not punishing them enough in the middle of the field. Yeah, because uh, Moore is just not like as we talked about in that Greenway in that Green Bay game. He's adequate, but he's not that weapon that forces your hand. He's good. He's not great, and he he's the kind of player you want to have on your team. Like you want, I want, I want Moore to be on our roster because he's a good special teamer. He's good, and when we need him, he will be solid. He's not the guy I want to be featuring. And then, and if we can upgrade him by having like a Philip Dorsett or a Josh Gordon, it obviously is going to make our team a little bit better. Yeah. So I'm I'm excited about that. I I one way we can we can exploit this is using the tight ends more. And I've been surprised that they haven't tried more uh coming out with like two tight ends, DK and Tyler, and then one running back. So running like a like a two like a two one twenty one personnel. Yeah. Uh and I because I think like Disley and Olsen are both good. You can run or throw out of that formation. Um, but maybe they just don't trust the the legs. Maybe Disley, you know, maybe his legs aren't what they are yet because of the coming back from the injury. Greg Olson is a thousand years old. But we're still carrying uh, four tight ends. Yeah, so we got the bodies to do it. And this was the game where I expected it. And it did happen a little bit in the second half. They like we went to Disley on the uh, the touchdown pass. It was um, so Olson had a 20 yard reception. That. Yeah, it was. And the whole thing with it was. Um, when we started using the tight end and we had 
what was it, six catches for Carson, and quite a few of those were in the second half, suddenly they had to change where they weren't just able to play the deep because they were able to kind of nickel and dime them a little bit because they were almost playing quarters. And it turns out that you can just then average eight yards per attempt against that. And so we forced them to kind of change their defense, and that was when it opened deep for DK a couple of times. Really, really just a great, honestly, just a great all-around performance from the Seahawks. So the, and it showed the the unwavering belief, the mental toughness that they have. And um, and I know a lot of like sports nerds don't believe, I hate to be this guy, but don't believe in the sports psychology stuff. But there is a real aspect to that. The sports, there's never, there's, there's a reason that every team employs sports psychologists. And it's not because they think it's going to make them lose. Uh, they, this that stuff is important, and this team has an ability to play at their best level uh, consistently when when other teams might fold under the pressure, and that and that's due to the, the you know the, it starts at the top with Pete Carroll, but it trickles all the way down to the last guy, right? Every guy on this team believes they can contribute to a win, and so that's huge. That's huge. It may it makes us we handle things differently. Like like Ryan Neal's a good example of this. Uh, the Jamal Adams injury might have sunk the season of worst teams. You know, that that injury could have made it would have sunk the, the defense. Ain't but for us, good. but for us, you know, it's Ryan Neal's up and and Lewis on the discord pointed this out to me on that interception play by KJ. I mean, Ryan Neal's going crazy. You can hear him so loud, uh, like wooing in the background. It's yeah. fantastic. So, yeah, it's there is a there's something there's something special about the way this team is run. And I think it's what part of the reason we all love this team. Uh, and finally, Adam's wearing his helmet uh, in the game that he's not playing in, uh, sitting at home. <laughs> finally, something, and then finally, something I agree with the ner- with the nerds on is that we're finally throwing it a lot, and it's just it's fun, makes this team fun to watch, and they're so good. They're pass blocking well. Um, they're just they're it's a good football team. It's a really good football team, um, and the, the sky's the limit. You know, if the defense can get healthy, there's no there's no team in this league we can't we can't beat. So a couple of quick Twitter questions. Um, we hit the one from book. Uh, the next one. Do uh, So do we chalk the drops up due to the rain? I think DK is a, right now to me profiles out as like one of those guys who just is going to have some inexplicable drops sometimes. Uh, Amari Cooper is another good example of this. Yep. Amari, Amari Cooper is the be- in my opinion, the best route runner in the entire national football league. He is an excellent route runner. He's often open. He's a freak athlete as well. But the problem with Amari Cooper is he inexplicably drops like 11 passes a year. <laughs> and it, and I think DK might just have that profile where every once in a while something weird is going to happen and it just like follows him around. And it's hard to explain, but, you know, it's just uh, whether it's mental lapses or just a uh, Poor luck. I don't know, but and I would say that we can't chalk it up just to the rain because this has been an all season thing, and it's Tyler a, has it's more drops this year receivers. than ever. Yeah, and it could be volume too. You know what I mean? Like these guys are receiving a lot more volume than we typically would. Plus, would, uh, no preseason. Okay. Yeah, they not playing and in the preseason. Timing. I mean, let's just be real. DK Metcalf leads the league in drops right now, but he also has you know thirty six targets, which is a lot for him. But his drop rate is, you know, really high. First among any player with uh, with 30 or more targets. So it's tough. It's it's tough right now. Like he he's dropping a lot of passes, but he's also playing at such a high level that I don't give a crap. I also think there's a little bit of that uh, like center fielder thing 
where like because he can get to balls that other people can't, he can then drop them. Sure. But I mean, I wouldn't say that a lot of his the five drops he has this year were like that. No. I mean, he's just going to drop one a one a game or so. And yeah, it's, but you and put the drop gonna... with like that boneheaded penalty he has. I feel like that that keeps him humble enough. It's not getting, elevating getting him. the ball getting the ball punched out from behind. Yeah, like just these little bonehead things he does. It's he's not a bad guy. He's not that like Terrell Owens number one receiver. Feed me now, you know, bitching about the coach. Um, if he's not the number one target, I don't think he's going to throw a fit. This it's a good guy to have. And that's that's something that you take for granted now that right. you have it. We were talking about this for the podcast. I mean, there's a very realistic possibility. This, and I, I don't want to talk about fantasy sports too much, but there, there's a very silly chance that DK Metcalf's the number one fantasy receiver this year. Okay, and that's because he's awesome. It's because he's awesome. It's because he's super, super good at football. Um, or to like, take how it out did of we get? Home, he's probably going to be what top five in touchdowns, top five in receiving yards. He was so unfairly maligned in college for something that was not his fault. And then he fell in the three cone drill. And I mean, to be honest with you, it's the best thing that ha- could have happened for the Seahawks. He fell into, he fell in the three cone drill and into our hearts. <laughs> Basically. Oh my gosh. <laughs> such a, such a great thing. All right. Um, let's just overall take our temperature right now. This is the first time the Seahawks have ever been five and zero. This is the best start to the two a season that the Seahawks have ever had. Um, how do you feel about we're heading into a, a tougher stretch of the schedule here? We have a bunch of divisional games. We play Arizona twice, San Francisco once, we play the Rams and the Bills. I would say this is the hardest stretch of the entire season. Do you guys um, – how do we think we get out of this stretch? Cardinals, 49ers, Bills, Rams, Cardinals. What's what's our record? How many losses do we have after those five games? Uh, I'll take it first because I'll, be, um, I'll be the pessimist. I think in our divisional games, I think we come out four and two. Automatic two losses. Throw a Rams loss in there. Throw a Cardinals loss in there. But the way the Niners are playing and not playing with injuries, uh, Richard Sherman actually delayed another two to three weeks, it sounds like. There's there's no way. There's no way we don't sweep that team. And maybe that's my disrespect for them showing. I don't think so, though. Honestly, I think it's four and two through six games. So you, so you're saying uh, those those five games? You think there's like two losses in there though, three and two. And the, uh, over the next five games, over the next like five Car- games, Cardinals loss and the Rams loss or something like that. Maybe, yeah. Bills. Maybe. What do you think about the Bills? On my birthday, November the eighth. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's my birthday. Uh, okay, so it's a road game. Uh, the, so, that is it, stuff. Take that. Ten, ten a.m. Start a road tilt. I like it when it's a road tilt. Road tilt, Kevin. It's a road <laughs> tilt. Okay, hey, if I said we're going to go... <laughs> we're going to lose Sorry. two games in that five-game period, fine. Make it Bills. Make it Cardinals. Okay. Maybe that's it. But you're telling me we're going to lose to the Cardinals coming off the bye in Arizona? I don't see it. I think okay. Cardinals... Yeah, we, Niners we, always lose to Car- we always lose to Cardinals at home for some reason. Yeah, so, yep. so maybe we lose that Bills game, and then two weeks later we lose to the Cardinals... And Seattle implodes and says, "Oh, we've lost two games. What do we do?" Yeah, and then we and then we play the Eagles, the Giants, the Jets, and the football team in consecutive weeks. Correct. That is like yeah. that's so wax. It's like the Eagles are playing so bad. Have a functional Carson. buy too because we have a Thursday game against the Cardinals and then a Monday game against the Eagles, so we get a mini buy 
going into our tour of the NFC East. Carson Wentz should never Carson Wentz should never have gotten uh, an MVP vote over Russ. That's a revenge game. Russ is mad about that stuff right now. Russ well, the is narrative narrative is going to take that over to at the time because they're heading to the Giants. Giant Giants suck. Home for the Jets. Jets suck. Then we go at football team, and I don't know. I actually think football team is decent. Football team is yeah. is they're very average. They like that's a seven and nineteen. Let's see, me, they have which, a top ten defense and a bottom five offense, and so that bottom, I think right. Right now, it's a bottom one offense, in my opinion, but <laughs> yeah, it's, not uh, it's pretty bad. But the defense is solid. Quarterbacks. Ron Rivera is a good coach. That they're, they're they're like frisky. They're they're a team that like you don't want to underestimate. But I don't believe in trap games. The Seahawks will take the football team seriously. Uh, can I can I show you my my trap game soapbox? We're pretty deep in this podcast. Or should I just leave it for another day? Uh, let's let's talk it. about that next week. Okay, I, I I don't believe in trap games though. I'll just that's a sneak preview. Let me. Uh, there, can I just say one thing? The final game of the season, Geno Smith finds it very hard to beat the 49ers, but somehow pulls it out <laughs> because we're resting Russ after what, quarter what number if, one. What if we come into that game? Okay, so I'm going to let you guys behind the curtain. Brett has a, a, a outstanding wager on Seahawks 15 or 16 wins, which I said we might as well have lit $5 on fire. That's never going to cash. What if we're 14 or 14 and two go or 14 and one? No. Yeah, fourteen and one going into the last week, and then they start Geno Smith against the 49ers. I can just imagine Brett just miniature meltdown. Just oh, like just... they're they're not even going to play Russ for the first half. <laughs> if you're in, I know, I know that I think Brett lives in Ording now. Uh, if you are in Burien, just open your windows when the news goes and listen real closely. You'll be able that to hear that is not Rainier finally erupting. That is <laughs> erupting. Uh, and uh, the valley doth shook. It's just really hard to win more than uh, that many football games. All right, let's let's go to the uh, well, money zone. Right. Okay. Oh, Kevin, you got one. You want one? Uh, I, I did want to talk about the the remaining schedule. <laughs> oh, oh, you didn't ever you never went. I didn't oh, even notice. Kevin. All right, Kevin, okay. five games. Those five games. What do you think? I, so, the five game stretch. We got a five game stretch. I think that there's a good chance we lose that home game against Arizona on a Thursday, and then I think we're probably going to lose one of the Bills or Rams game because the Rams are coming off a bye. So I see us going win-win, split the next two, and then a loss. So I think we're losing two of those games. And I, I honestly don't see I, – I see me three losses left on our schedule, maybe four. Yeah, I, I think we're a 12-plus win football team looking at the rest of the schedule. And it's if someone hard. told you that before the season started, what's your reaction, right? I'd be very, I'd be very happy with that. 12 wins is twelve wins would have been – I would have been A-OK with that. I thought the offense would be good. I actually thought the defense would be a little better, but, but uh, you know, to be honest, the, the defense isn't at – we've talked about this. The team is not at full strength. This is like the – you know, we're Super Saiyan 1. We, we got still got 2, 3, 4 <laughs> – uh, Goku, Goku Blue. You know we can have so many levels, but yeah, so many levels to go. I don't know. I don't really know what it means either. <laughs> to be honest with you, I just played the video game, and so I <laughs> have like a vague idea. All right, there are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so: head to Patreon.com/slash/SeahawksNest. Be like, we have six new October Patreons: Andy, Gareth, Dean, Jonathan, Bank, and Nathan. Thank you for joining the squad, uh, and thank you to our longtime Patreons who have supported the show. Keep us going. That would be. Uh, Lucas, Timothy, Ryan, Cooper, James, Brett, Carrie, Tom, Michael, Brandon, Nick, Foles, Emmanuel, Jay, Warwolf, Bob, Richard, Kieran, Mike, Flockmas, Keith, and Michelle. If you are if you are a Patreon and you're not in the Discord yet, uh, let me know in the 
send me a Patreon message, get in the discord. It's a lot of fun. We're having a good time. Uh, it's a lot, a lot of, it's a lot of the, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of the trash talking that is happening right now on the fantasy football channel has been pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, Astro is, uh, is, is really make, got the jokes going. Dusty's I, got I'm some good quite, memes. Quite enjoying it. Oh, the yeah. Australian contingency is great. I, I posted this thing as, uh, there's a fish called the bony eared ass fish. And I was like, posted the meme. And oh, he just, he re, he just reposted the meme with, uh, but he put, <laughs> Adam Gase's face on the fish. <laughs> it's like the greatest thing I've ever seen. I was like, this is genius. Okay. So <laughs> the um today, our movie club, we're gonna talk. Our we're gonna make a Fave Five. And remember, this month it's all Halloween themed. So our Fave Five today is best zombie movies. And I just want to say something. I'm I feel like I get a lot of flack. People yell at us. Because they're like, what about this movie? And I'm just going to say, like, I'm not going to mention every zombie movie I like here. So if there's one that you like that you think I haven't watched yet, let me know. I will. I have seen One of the Dead, though. I just want you to tell you that. I wanted to let you know. I have seen One of the Dead. You and want I like, to let us know. And I like it. One of oh. the Dead is One of the Dead is funny. Is it your number one pick? No, it, I would not even put in it. I'm not <laughs> even putting it in. It's two uh, for it's, two. It's below Warm Bodies. Uh <laughs> Uh, you know, I, sometimes it's going to be a bullet war bodies. So, um, all right, let's uh, let's go ahead, Kevin. I'm gonna let you go first because I know you did probably like by far the most preparation. Do you want to give? Do you want me to give like a list and we can kind of talk through it and then I, like, do my one or do you want? Sure, to sure. Go, go ahead. Get, get, yeah, give me give me like a like a list of ten that you like that you find enjoyable and then and then give me like the one that you're gonna pick. All right, so like twenty eight days slash weeks. Has to be mentioned. Um, those movies are those movies are good. Uh, Shaun of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shaun of the Dead, absolute classic. One. Yep. Uh, the Romero Night, Day, and Dawn. Mm-hmm. And I'll go ahead and give you the Dawn remake because I know. Oh it's yeah, special. it's the only good Zack Snyder movie, Dawn of the Dead remake. It is a good movie. I find it quite enjoyable. Um, I, I'm thinking about picking it as my one just to me- just to like mess up everything. Wow, because <laughs> because. I do find that movie really enjoyable. I'm not like trying to to be like no, that really guy. I, I find Big. that Ving Rames, Ving Rames is great. There's a lot of the movie has like funny parts and and good Ty parts. Burrell pulls it off. It has movie. it has real creepy stuff going on. You know, Mackay Pfeiffer is in there. Um, yeah, I I enjoy that film. So. Uh, you already mentioned Warm Bodies, um, a, a low budget indie movie. It was shot for like the price of a like I don't know, like Toyota Tacoma. Um, the battery. If you have not seen that, that's on Prime. Train to Busan, a personal favorite. Very, very good. Uh, the Zombieland I movies. Still, I still apologize to Kevin for it taking me so long to see Train to Busan. <laughs> um, Reanimator would count. Um, kind of a body horror movie from the eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, the found footage movie Wreck. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's most of the ones. Otherwise, it's like kind of fringe like there's idle hands uh the serpent and the rainbow which is more of like a voodoo movie um my boyfriend's back Anyone? kevin you're missing one a big a big one i am brain brain dead the peter jackson movie <laughs> oh boy i just wanted it to be after my boyfriend's back <laughs> uh brain dead i think um 
the the IMDb parents guide for Brain Dead says we can't stress enough just how gory this movie is, <laughs> <laughs> which is like the best review of Brain Dead that you could ever possibly make. I'll all right. Peter Jackson I, lived for it, was the uh, gore. Oh man, it was that movie's gory. Uh, and I think what about Army of Darkness and Evil Dead? Those are uh, I don't think of them as zombie movies though. They're more like I don't know curse movies. I'm not really sure how to put that. I mean, I don't know. I feel like Army of Darkness definitely has like. Are they skeletons? Yeah. Are they I, zombies? I, I just I don't know. That's are skeletons, zombies. That goes no. along with your your sandwich hot dog argument, which is another day. But just let a hot dog be a hot dog. Like let let Army of just, Darkness be an Army of Darkness. Because I kind of just want to pick. I'm kind of want to pick Army of Darkness, but now I feel like I can't. I feel like I got I got. Hurt. I feel like it's not allowed. Is it allowed or not? I would say it is not a zombie movie, personally. Yeah, a zombie moment does not make. So, it so und undeads are not zombies. Is that Correct. like we're 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 separate? We're separating out like so. Okay, because there's definitely undead in this movie. Yes, yeah. I think that's I fair because that. vampires are undead, so we we got to leave them out of this too. Yeah, we're werewolves, not werewolves. Hey, Kevin, where do you stand on Night of the Creeps? Uh, uh you could argue that's an alien or parasite movie. But, yeah. But, but I just want I really just got to throw out of the creeps out there because it's because to me, it's more like a, it'd be like if like because like the thing is not a um, a zombie movie, even though like the host is no longer itself anymore. The host. I got I got a couple more, Kevin. Which you got? Planet Terror, the yep. first half of the of um, of Grindhouse is, I think, really solid. It's not great. It's very uh, long. It's, it's very solid. It's a little bit. It it outstays its welcome it feels, by yeah, a little bit. It should it should be like ninety minutes, and it's a hundred and five. Uh, Overlord, recent uh, recent yes. zombie film uh, from. I forgot about the, that one. That's a good one, guys. And I think that's a really like fun. If uh, you wanted a return to Castle Wolfenstein movie, you got one. And then I'm gonna go with this one: Dead Snow. Uh, nice. Good pull. Nazi zombies, which I I love this movie. Uh, very good. Dead Snow. Yeah, Dead Snow is enjoyable for sure. It's it's an enjoyable film. I don't think I would pick it for the five, but I think it's uh it's definitely worth mentioning. All right, I think that now we got to get into our picks. I agree. We got into our picks. Eric, lead us off. Start start us strong. Oh, jeez. So everything you mentioned, Kevin, a lot of these are in my number one pick for like something I got to put in there. I got something I really want to put on this list, but I I feel really crummy picking it number one. Um. Uh, should I do it? Should I do it? Will you, be, will you guys be mad? How about if I give you veto power over this pick? Yeah, well, okay. if you don't feel that strong about it, then I don't know. I love it. I love this movie. And it, for some reason, it really frightened me as a kid. Dude, Great wanna... Pumpkin Charlie Brown is not. <laughs> if, if you, you want to pick the battery, I mean, that's. that's, that's <laughs> All right. I'm just going to say it. Return of the Living Dead from 1985. Okay. <laughs> Do you do you understand why I want to give you veto power over this? I understand. I personally would just go with the original Dawn because that's the reason why that movie exists. No, but, but then, but then I go with the remake of Ret- the Dawn. Okay, but here's the thing: Return of the Living Dead is like the OG zombie comedy. Yeah, it's it's, yes, it's, exactly. it's, the, it's the height of Shaun, the one. <laughs> Shaun of the Shaun of the Dead and uh, and um, what are some other zombie comedies? Uh, Zombieland. Those movies owe so much to Return of the Living Dead, which is like just the OG in that category. Um, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it being in the okay. five, to be honest I'm, with you. I think it's, an, I'm there. An, it's, it's enjoyable. enjoyable. I enjoy it's enjoyable. it more than Zombieland, and I feel like that's heresy, but it's just how I feel. 
No, dude, that's that's no, that, that movie is a lot of cred. That movie is better than Zombieland. I think it's worse than Shaun of the Dead. But to be honest with you, if we leave Shaun of the Dead off this list and keep Return of the Living Dead, I'm okay. I'm I feel okay with I that. feel so much better. Okay, who's next? Hey, Kevin, hit me. All right, um, Kevin, if you want to pick the battery. <laughs> So my, I feel like I feel like I feel like me and you and they're like the only people on earth who've seen the battery. Here's the thing. The, the battery was built around four scenes and those four scenes are really strong. Let's not talk about the connective tissue. Um, so how much did they spend on that movie? Like five dollars? Uh, it was seriously like, uh, what was it? Five grand. And part of that was buying the Volvo. Oh, Jesus. And I'm not going to explain that to anyone who wants to watch. But I will say. Uh, part of the reason why you don't see the outside during the last little bit of the movie is because the Volvo broke down and they had to film it in somebody's par- uh, driveway. Wait, is the battery <laughs> really streaming? Because I think I've seen the battery. It's on, is it's this on the Prime. It, this is it's on, on, this is in the car, right? I've seen the battery. Yeah. All three yeah. of us. All right. Yeah. We're okay. The, so it. so uh, it has ten. It has ten fans on Letterbox, and apparently we are three of the ten. Three of the ten. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I'm going to go with Train to Busan just because I feel like it has to be on here. I don't want to argue it when we get into the last two. I don't want to take any cutarounds. This is probably my favorite zombie movie. It does not pull any punches, and it sucker punches you straight in the heart. I have three movies I want. This is tough. Um, okay, there's. I want twenty. These are the three. These are my top three right here. Okay, and you can you can at me on leaving Shaun of the Dead off this. I have twenty eight day- movies has to make it. Twenty eight days later. Uh, Wreck and Dawn of the Dead remake are my three that I would really want to put on the rest of this list. Um, this, those are all I have sentimental, like personal reasons. I like all of these movies. Um, the thing about Wreck is, is like the that single camera, like found footage thing they did there is usually it sucks when when some people do stuff like this, but they when you pull it off and you really make it work, it works so well um and the ending of that movie is like the best ending of any zombie movie ever i don't know like it's up there so that's i do not feel as strongly about that movie as you do but it is good and it, it is like one of it, it would make my list of like probably top five found footage movies pretty easily hmm. it's that's, just a that's genre a, i don't love interesting question uh i i think okay um I'm going to go with, I'm going to make it easy. I'm just going to say 28 days later. I'll just get that out of the way. Um, it's good. It's so good. And like it, it really helps breathe life into the, uh, into the zombie genre. I think it uh, still does too, because you can watch it and it still feels like a fresh take. Good acting, really good camera work. That's like different. The camera work in this movie is unique. Yeah. It gives the movie a unique feel that it needs to really because there's a thing as a viewer, you need to in a zombie movie, you should feel discomforted. And I think like the Danny Boyle's camera work in this movie makes you feel that like that discomfort, that stress that you need to feel in a in a movie like this. Plus, I mean, let's be honest, that opening scene of Walking Dead is just a straight rip off of 28 Days Later. Yep. Like they Walking Dead tv show i'm like dude come on man you can't even like pretend like, but also why wouldn't you that's a great scene you could rip off way worse scenes yeah because they I, thought you wouldn't notice with it being in atlanta the they're like they're like hey we public we published the comic one year after 28 days later so it's okay we ripped it off <laughs> um the okay so we have our th- we have three now all right so now we need two more okay does anyone want to like stand on a table for something yeah yeah, I want to stand on the table for the original Dawn. 
um, of all slow zombie movies, I think it is the best one. It um, is so long. It's it is. So hard. And it feels it feels every minute of that 127 minute runtime. I'm like, it's a good movie, and it is like, it deserves to be in the pantheon. But like, if I'm making a list of personal favorites, I'm like never putting this movie on the list. It's just like a it's like a solid four out of five for me, and it's just like. I get why people love it so much, but I don't know. Kevin, if we went and settled and did the new Dawn, would you be okay? Kevin, would Kevin, be opposite Kevin, Kevin, okay. Kevin, Kevin, I would Kevin, say Kevin, if you're not taking the old Dawn, then you, there are no Dawns on this. Did you guys like how already, I came in here totally like as there as already the isn't of the dead. There already isn't of the dead movie on this list. And like, I'm fine if that's the case, but you asked if there was one I'd stand on the table for, and that's one I would stand on the table for. You'd say Night of the Living Dead or Dawn of Dawn? I would take either Night or Dawn. Um, Dawn, I think, is in its own way more influential on zombie movies. Like, there are so many things that are just straight ripped from Dawn. But I think Night, like the commentary of Night and the way that it's shot and everything, the iconic scenes of Night, I think are really cool. And I think it's one of those things where... Night of the Living Dead is one of the must-see horror movies of all time. Night of the Living Dead, the suspense level that Romero is able to sustain throughout the whole runtime, that ending is is like kind of insane. Like the amount I like Dawn of the Dead. I think you're right. It's probably is like a it's a better movie. I don't know. They're both they're both good for different reasons. So would you be more comfortable putting Night on there? I don't know. They're coming for. I mean, if you if you if you ask me to watch a a movie right now, I probably wouldn't want to watch either of them. (laughs) (laughs) I'd 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 be more apt to watch like the new Dawn of the Dead or Zombieland or Shaun of the Dead or uh, Dead Snow or any of those movies. Okay, so is there one that we can all agree on outside of this? So let's go ahead and try and pick the fourth one before we shut. I feel like a. I feel like a a jerk because I mean people are not going to be happy that we did not pick an um a Romero, you guys a Romero movie. <laughs> I agree with Kevin. What's the what's the next one we can pick to, to table this? I feel like it's probably either Shaun of the Dead, um, what Shaun of the Dead, Wreck, or Brain Dead, Army of Darkness. Those are those are also movies. Well, okay, you told me I can't pick Army of Darkness, I but I really I really think that this is a. I feel like I go Shaun of the Dead. I think Shaun of the Dead has everything that you could want from both a zombie movie and a uh, comedy horror movie. It's got the right amount of gore with that guy getting torn apart. I I agree. I'm fine with that. It's got really good action sequences and it's got some heart. It's got some heart. We love heart. I'm just saying a lot of heart (laughs) that army. Army of Darkness is listed on IMDb as one of the 28 highest grossing zombie movies of all time. Because I have 5% left on my battery of this computer. I am I am going original Dawn of the Dead. I'm... All right, that's fine. I can live, I can live, I can live with it. Dawn of the Dead 1978. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Just want you guys to know I tried I tried to convince them to let me pick Army of Darkness. I made a real that could be in our Bruce Campbell top five. I feel like we could do that. <laughs> I don't a Bruce Campbell top five? We could definitely do a Bruce Campbell eliminator. Bruce Campbell's top five is Army of Darkness five times. Uh, why are you a big Dark Dark Man fan? Boba Hotep, Evil Dead Two, Man with the Screaming Brain. 
<laughs> Fargo. Uh, the the time I I stood in line for three hours to have him how, sign my book. How, what? How like how long is he? Thinking about this going too long, and then this like, joke had to be started. I like how, I, how. What is he in Fargo for? Like eight seconds. Like he's great eight seconds. <laughs> <laughs> All right, for Kevin, for Eric, we will see you guys next week. Go Hawks. <laughs>